Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Prosper Project. My guest is Suzanne Mariga, a profit-first expert. Suzanne Mariga is a certified public accountant, certified tax coach, and a chartered global management accountant. Not sure what all those things mean, but I'm sure she can tell us. She has over two decades of experience helping her clients achieve their financial goals through business and personal tax planning. Before founding her own firm, Suzanne worked at Arthur Anderson, as well as one of the other big four firms, KPMG. Suzanne combined her industry knowledge with her own experience of growing a small business, and she has helped her clients design unique profit-first based business plans that ensure success and long-term financial stability. Welcome, Suzanne. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Lorraine. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's start with just kind of letting everybody know, like, what are those? I think we all know what a certified public accountant is and a certified tax coach is a new one for me, but I can kind of figure that one out. But what is a chartered global management accountant? You know, that's a designation that's bestowed upon us from the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, AICPA. Okay. And what that designation means, just like the CPA, that one also means that I have industry experience. So I've actually gone into like industry. For me personally, I was a manager, you know, within industry and, you know, done that cost accounting, done those analysis that, you know, happens in those, those large publicly traded companies is what that means. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's really helpful to know. I also want to add not for your benefit, but for our listeners, that you're a certified profit first professional at the mastery level. And you have written your own book, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises, which I find so fascinating. And I think that being an author and kind of putting your genius into a book that's specifically targeted to people that you want to be speaking to is a really powerful platform as well. And I don't even know where we're going to start with all of these accolades, but you are also the host of the Profit Talk podcast. That's kind of a tongue twister. And you discuss business tips and strategies. And I actually viewed a few of those episodes, or have viewed a few of those episodes on YouTube. And I love that, that we can hear you, we can see you, we can take you on the go with us. It's just really nice to be able to provide education that you have to people through your book, through your podcast, on YouTube, however they want to access that. So where do we start? What inspired you to start your own business? You know, Lorraine, I grew up in accounting. I grew up actually in the world of public accounting. My dad was a CPA. 
for my entire life. You know, actually, I was a college baby. So my parents had me when they were in college. And he was literally balancing balance sheets because he was an accounting major while juggling me on his other leg. So I kind of grew up in them. And then when I was 14, you know, my dad, you know, being the strategist that he is and saw these kids like doing, running around the house doing nothing. He's like, you know, you're going to be my bookkeeper. I'm going to hire you to be my bookkeeper. And so he hired me to be his bookkeeper, you know, and he would do a tax return and he'd have me do it. See if we got the same answer. He would teach me how to sell taxes and payroll taxes. And, you know, it ended up being something that I really enjoyed doing and I ended up majoring in it. And that's how I ended up in the world of accounting. So it kind of, really, you know, just, (laughs) you know, I inherited it. You know, he got a nice tax write-off and I got a career from it. So it was really, really good. That is amazing. I've never heard anything like that before. You were literally raised in the business. That's really inspiring. And your dad was kind of lucky in a way that you loved it and didn't rebel against it. You kind of embraced the learning, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always liked that algebra. I always liked that mathematics and now I get to do it all day. So it works out really good. That's wonderful. I'm the opposite. So I've gotten, you know, relatively good at numbers. However, it's certainly not what I enjoy. I'm more in the writing and creative space. So it's just always extremely impressive to me when I meet people that are really good and really love numbers. So tell me why you chose to become a profit first accountant and advisor? Why that methodology? You know, it was interesting because when I first started my practice, you know, I was so excited to start my own practice. And of course, like many entrepreneurs, one of the first things I did very early on in my business was sign an office lease. And and I remember like sitting in my office and my first client walks the door and I'm so excited. You know, my first client, you guys remember that? Like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to take a chance on me. And this is like 15 years ago. And I was in kind of young man, but not quite, but he came out with his shoebox. And I remember he plopped down the chair across from me and he pushes his shoebox towards me. And, you know, he was like, whatever you do, I don't want to pay any taxes. And I remember looking at this man leaning against my chair, hands crossed on his belly. And I remember like starting to unfold those receipts in the shoebox. And I was like, you know, I finally got to the bottom of the shoebox and there was this crumpled up thing called a P&L. And I looked at this PL and I looked at this man that was sitting across from me. And I was like, oh, sir, don't worry. You're not going to pay taxes because you didn't make any money. You know, you have more expenses than you have revenue. And no matter what tax rate I multiply against a negative number, I'm going to get a negative number. So you're not going to owe any taxes. And he goes away. He's feeling pretty happy. You know, he gets earned income credit because, you know, that's that credit that you get for trying, right? But not quite making the gold. Oh, yeah. And he comes back next year, right? He comes back the next year. He brings a shoebox and pops on the chair. He makes that joke again about whatever you do, I don't want to pay any taxes. And I unravel receipts and I get to the bottom, this crumpled PL. And I'm like, don't worry, sir, you're still not going to pay any taxes because frankly, he didn't make any money. You know, I think I did a good job. He thinks I did a great job. He's getting earned income credit and we go on our merry way. And then the third year, he comes back. But this time it's a little bit different. You know, he's a little bit heavier, right? Because that's what happens when you get busy in entrepreneurship and you don't take care of yourself, right? His hair is more gray. He emails me at 11 o'clock at night because I can see the date stamp and the time stamp. And, you know, his business has grown over the years. You know, he's got employees now. He's got furniture. You know, his office space has doubled in size and he still manages to bring back the shoebox. But this time he looks tired, right? He looks tired. He looks worn out. He looks like that reality of running your business, you know, like 
that yes. anti-prosperous has hit him really hard. And he still makes that joke, you know, whatever you do, I don't pay any taxes. And I remember unraveling the receipts, getting to the bottom, looking at the P&L. And I remember seeing that negative number and I'm like, sir, you'll be better off getting HAOB. And the sad thing was, you know, he wasn't the only one that came in that year. Many entrepreneurs were in the very same situation. They were so focused on not paying taxes, spending every dime they got, filing filing cabinets, trying to get these trucks, you know, to get these big write-offs. At the end of the day, you know, they had nothing to show for what they were working for. This man in particular so sad. had no savings, no 401k, no IRA. He didn't even own his own home. He was running an apartment. Oh my God. And so many entrepreneurs were living that lifestyle. And so when I heard about Mike McCallitz and I heard about Profit First, I said, you know what? This is what we need. This is what entrepreneurship needs. This is what the community needs. You know, we need to make sure that we are being intentional about running our businesses and getting the results that we want. I love that. Wow. That's amazing. So you became a Profit First accountant. And then you decided to write a book. This was only about a year ago, though, right? Our book the, launched. This a book? Yeah. In Mar- May 25th, 2001. That was his birthday. Yes. Okay. All right. Great. So tell me about the Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises. I'm fascinated by that process. You know, what led you to write a book and why did you want to target it so specifically? Well, Mike McCallis did an amazing job on Profit First. It's an amazing concept. Pay yourself first. For those of you guys who are not familiar with Profit First, it's a system where there's bank accounts and kind of like Dave Ramsey, you know, Dave Ramsey has envelopes. Mm-hmm. You get paid, you pay yourself first. Well, Profit First, very similar system, except we have bank accounts. We don't want anybody keeping business money in envelopes, right? Or the mattress. Um, no, no, definitely not do that. And so at Profit First, what happens is you fund your profit account first. So there's a designated percentage, you fund Profit First, then you fund your owner's pay, right? Because you are your MVP. The moment you step out of your business, for most of us, the business won't continue. So we need to make sure our owners are compensated fairly. So we fund a bank account for owner's pay. And then because you're successful, you know, taxes are going to be a consequence of success, right? It's not something to run from. It's the other side of the blessing, right? And so, and you can use strategy to mitigate it. But at the end of the day, you know, reality is if we are successful, that's the other side. And let's embrace our success. So we're going to create an account for taxes too that we're going to fund so that in a year, we're not worried about how we're going to pay taxes. We got this money stored up that we can use later on. And then we have a final bank account that's just for operating expenses. So once we fund our profit account, our owners pay, we put aside for taxes, whatever is left can go towards the business expenses. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's based upon something called Parkinson's law, meaning that the more of something that's available, the more we're going to use of it, right? You know, you guys heard your mom tell you to clean your plate. Well, when she gives you a bigger plate, you got more to clean. And most of us will eat more unintentionally. And that's the same way in Profit First. We've got this bank account for operating expenses. And when that money is full, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs are saying, hey, maybe I can get that office space. Maybe I can buy that equipment. Maybe I can upgrade computers for everybody on my team, right? But as that money dwindles down, they're making different decisions. Like, what can I cut right now? How do I mitigate my spend? You know, what do I really need that's going to produce an ROI for my business to continue? And so they're going to make different decisions based upon that. So really, that's how Profit First works. And let me just say that was the most succinct, clear and compelling case for Profit First that I've ever heard. That was really incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you, Lorraine. It's good to know that it's relatable. We definitely wanted people to understand that 
And, you know, the reason why I wrote Profit First for Minority Business Enterprise is because a lot of my clients weren't minorities and they were having amazing success. And I'm very, very proud of them for it. And, you know, one of the things that has always kind of stood in my mind was, you know, my first job was with Arthur Anderson in Chicago. And I didn't grow up in Chicago, grew up in Ohio, similar to you in Cincinnati. And as soon as I graduated from Ohio State University, I went to go work in Chicago for Anderson. And I remember asking one of my colleagues, you know, I knew nothing about Chicago. I just wanted to be in that town, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, you know, where do I live in Chicago? Where's a good place to live that's safe, that's going to be fun? And I remember my colleague saying, you know, Lincoln Park is really, really great. Lakeview is really great. But whatever you do, avoid the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like most young 20s, you know, I went and I signed my lease right on the river or, or the lake of, you know, Sheridan and you know, right there, shared in diversity, right on the lake. And, you know, it was beautiful. You know, the houses, the high rises were beautiful. You know, everybody was very safe. And I remember like catching a bus because I'm the kind of person that's very adventurous. And I took this bus and, you know, I didn't have anything to do on a Saturday. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go as far as this bus will take me. And then when this bus stops, I'll just take the next bus wherever it takes me. And I remember taking a bus and this bus took me to Michigan Avenue and there's a point on Michigan Avenue where Chicago changes, right? Where you don't have the glitz and glamour, the fancy stores and things just get really real for you. And I remember getting off the bus because they're like, the bus doesn't go any further. And I remember taking another bus and this bus was taking me to the south side of Chicago. And I remember as I was like riding this bus, the neighborhood started to change, right? It wasn't like, you know, the stores with all the purses and the restaurants, you know, you started to see more boarded up windows, people pushing the shopping carts, the buildings were much older, definitely not taken care of. And one of the questions that always hit me was, you know, why does just really just dividing, right? Roosevelt, Michigan, why does that change the world? Why does the world change at that intersection? And One of the things that hit me is the reason why the world changes is there's a lack of jobs and opportunities. And the way that we really change neighborhoods and change the dynamics of socioeconomics, right, is by creating jobs. Because, you know, when we create jobs, especially entrepreneurship that's profitable, that's successful, we don't just do it for ourselves. You know, we hire our neighbors, right? Because people like to work close to work. And suddenly my neighbor's child says, you know, if so-and-so can be an accountant, if so-and-so can be a doctor or a lawyer, I can do it too. And suddenly you're recreating these neighborhoods with a different level of economic resources. And so that's the reason why I wrote the book, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises, was really to shift the economics of neighborhoods. I love that. And what I remember when the book launched a year ago, what kind of feedback or reception did you receive to this book? Because I remember it being very positive. Can you share some of that? Well, the book is formally reviewed. So I went through the Kirkus reviews. I went through Publishers Weekly, was selected as the editor's pick for Publishers Weekly. You know, a lot of really great things about the book. People, you know, love the tax section is amazing. So no matter who you are, the tax section definitely applies. And profit first is profit first, but it does have a minority spend to it. But, you know, the book was very, very well received. Yeah. And what did Mike Mahalowitz, if I'm saying his last name right, what did he say about the book? Well, he actually is a collaborator on the book. So he actually wrote the forward for the book. So we wrote it together. 
Yeah, I see that on the book jacket. I wanted you to say it. So I just love that. I love that you really were inspired by this and you wanted to bring your own perspective to it and that he was totally on board with that, that whole idea of collaboration over competition. It's just so profound, right? And it is essentially his methodology. Different people have developed different methodologies inspired by that by Dave Ramsey and some others. I mean, I remember my grandmother, and I'm sure many people do, having different envelopes for things. And the concept was, well, if something comes up for my kids at school, I'm going to have to take some of the grocery money to pay for that. So that, I guess, concept was there for us as individuals, but taking it to that level from businesses and then flipping the switch, because I know when I started my business, it was always about taking care of your people first. Profit came last. And, you know, I think that I know for me anyway, that I felt like I was doing the right thing. I was serving everybody else first. But the reality is that you realize after a few years in business that if you don't take care of the business, no one else is going to be taken care of anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. If your business is struggling, if your owner is not happy because they're struggling to make payroll, right, it's not going to make it. And, you know, in my story, you know, I needed profit first too. And I remember like, it was probably like the first couple of years of my business where as business owners, we're artists, right? We love what we do and and we love, we do so much. We do it for free. And I remember literally my back went out one day. I was working so hard and it was like a couple of days before the tax deadline. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself as I lied on the bed on muscle relaxers that my doctor has prescribed to me, I was like, man. I wish I could hire somebody to like do this work for me. And then I realized, you know what? Can't hire anybody because I'm not even paying myself. <laughs> and, ah. you know, and that was a rude awakening there. So, I mean, and it's a story, like I said, it's very common with entrepreneurs. You know, we have to pay ourselves. We have to look at our why, you know, and our why is, yes, we want to get back. Yes, we want to do great things in the community. But if our businesses aren't healthy, you know, when we're better off getting a J-O-B, that's not winning. No, that's not winning. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you work with your clients. And we will have links to your social profiles and your website in the show notes. But take us through like who's the right kind of client to work with you and what does that process look like when they come on board? So we work with entrepreneurs. We typically work with some of the larger, more established ones. You know, our, typically our smaller clients are half a million. They go up to like 50 million. Okay. And it really depends on where they're at in their business. You know, we have an amazing mastermind program where we're helping them implement profit first, where mm-hmm. they're working with other entrepreneurs who are to similar sizes. And we're helping them set up those bank accounts, do those tax transfers, make those calculations, figure out mathematics of what that target revenue needs to be so they can scale getting into that math so they don't feel intimidated for it. You know, the larger ones, we get into more of the private side where we're it's more of a done-for-you service from that standpoint. But, you know, we do offer a free masterclass, a Profit First Masterclass right on Facebook. If you go on Facebook and, and, yeah. and search Profit First Masterclass with Suzanne Mariga, you'll be able to get the link into that masterclass and learn Profit First for free. Yeah, and we're going to put that link below so everybody can learn more about Profit First. I think that's, you know, it's really incredible that a philosophy and 
a process or a system, I guess is the best word as I throw out adjectives to describe the profit first. I think it's amazing what this system has done for businesses because I'm hearing more and more about it and people are obsessed with it. And I think I felt a little bit overwhelmed when I started reading the book, like opening all these bank accounts and things like that. But the reality is like everything, like when I work with a new client or any service provider works with a new client, there's always heavy lifting in the beginning so that you can implement the systems that are going to make your life easier. Would you agree with that as far as probably first? It's habit, right? It's habit. Mm -hmm. You know, the hardest part about any habit that's positive is doing it right in the beginning. But once you're in that rhythm and profit first, we do transfers twice a month. So we do them on the 10th and we do them on the 25th. They're not every day. So people like to start out once a week with doing that, especially if they're in construction or contractor type of work. But twice a month is really where it is, 10th and 25th. And most times if you're doing it twice a month, you're going to pay your bills on time. And what it does is it really puts a process in place and it gives you control over money coming in and money going out. So you're transferring to your priorities and then twice a month, you're paying bills. You're sitting down and going, this is how much I have in my operating account. And these are the bills. And I'm going to look at the most important bills first, right? I'm going to pay the bills that, you know, to keep the lights on, keep the rent, make sure my employees are able to be paid. And then as I get into those nice to haves, you know, that don't have that return on investment, you know, those charity investments, those magazine subscriptions, Then I can start making decisions like, do I really have enough money to do this? Is this important? Is this giving an ROI? Right. That's really great. So can you share with our listeners a couple of strategies that they can think about for increasing business profits? So I like to start with the low-hanging fruit. Start with those easy things. You know, I like to take my profit and loss statement. I like to download it into Excel and sort it from the biggest to the smallest. And start with the smallest things first. Start at the bottom of the funnel. Look at those easies. You know, my kids, they love to sell magazines, right? Because, you know, their school has a fundraiser. They get a pizza party if they win. And they know that daddy won't buy from them. So they come to mommy. (laughs) And it's interesting because they don't tell you in the fine line that this magazine will auto renew because they have your credit card. Yes. Yes. I've been, I've done that. Yes. And so what happens is, They come to you another year, order more magazines. Meanwhile, the other ones are still coming. Mm -hmm. And being able to go back and go, you know, especially during COVID, during 2020, when the office had to close, walking in and seeing all these magazines piled on the coffee table. And I'm like, what is going on here? Nobody's even here to read these magazines. And so look at the things that you're not using. Look at the bottom of the funnel. Look at those magazines, subscriptions, or, you know, be careful of those long-term leases. If you're talking about those, as soon as you start a business, Xerox loves to come send a rep to you. You need a copier. I'm only like three people, but you need a big copier for $600 a month. Watch those long-term leases. Is there another way? You know, can I get a shorter lease or can I just buy a brother, right? That multifunction machine, will do it all for me. Or even a Canon will be less than $600 a month if I buy one. And so, you know, look at other ways of replacing those expenses that you have. And then finally, what are you using or what are you paying for that can be done someplace else? Or maybe you're not even using, get rid of those things. That's really great because most people start with like, where are my biggest expenses and what can I do about it? But I like the fact that you can start with your smallest expenses because they're easier to let go of typically also. Exactly. The small ones, start with the small ones. 
Yeah, I really like that. So if someone has a business that's not at the half a million dollar level, but they're really excited by this conversation and by what you're sharing about profit first, is there a place that they can go to find a profit first accountant? Yeah. So profit first, if they go on the profit first professionals website, you know, there's a look for me type of accountant that they can put their name in and their address and they'll look for one that's in the local area or maybe specializes in their niche if that's a niche that they have. So that's another way of doing it too. I love that. That's so great. So Suzanne, I feel like I learned so much from this conversation. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have or anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? You know, I would say be intentional, just be intentional. You know, Simon Sinek says, start with why, and then design systems and processes to accomplish that. I love that. So I always end my episodes by asking my guests what it means for them to prosper. So can you enlighten us a little bit on what prosperity looks like for you? So prosperity to me is impact and balance. So being able to have the impact and to be able to enjoy my life too (laughs) and while having that impact is what prosperity is to me. I love that. So everyone, please check out the show notes for this episode. We're going to drop all the links. Definitely sign up for the free Profit First training that Suzanne conducts via Facebook. That's amazing. And Suzanne Mariga, it was so great having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for being my guest. Thank you, Lorraine. It was a wonderful time hanging with you today. Thanks. And to everyone else, we'll see you next week on The Prosper Project. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.